0: Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 16, which can be found on page 1344 in your pew Bibles. And this is probably a less common or less well-known uh, passage, not one that we read often in worship service, as some others are. Probably more familiar with things like Psalm 23, dealing with shepherds. But the theme of shepherds comes up quite a bit in the Old Testament, and here is uh, one of those places. Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 16. And before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word which you have given to us. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear your word. Lord, we pray that you would help us to hear your word this morning. That you would help us to hear your word always. God, that we might know you better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 16. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all, wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, And so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them. This passage is a hard one for the shepherds who are the leaders, the people of Israel. Um, but it doesn't end there. If you continue reading, he turns from addressing the shepherds to addressing the flock. But we're not going to read that right now. We're turning to uh, Philippians chapter 2. And here we see a bit of a contrast between what we just read and uh, And what Paul says about two of the men he knows who are uh, in the church of Philippi, or who have been helping him out as he's in prison in Rome, says Philippians chapter two, verses nineteen through thirty. Paul says, "I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare." to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the verses we just read is in uh, Philippians 2, verse 21. And this verse, I think, explains what was going on in uh, Ezekiel with the shepherds over Israel. It explains what was happening in the day of uh, Paul as he's writing this, and it explains a lot of what we experience in our everyday lives. See if this holds true. This is uh, Philippians 2 verse 21. It says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That sound about right? Everyone looking out for number one, everyone looking out for their own interests, trying to make sure my needs are met instead of following Jesus. This is what was happening in Israel, wasn't it? With the people who were supposed to be shepherding the people. And instead of shepherding the people, they were looking out, looking after their own interests instead of uh, the others. This is uh, the same kind of thing that is talked about in Philippians chapter two a little earlier when in verses three and four It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And how we're to have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, that this is the way that he lived. This is what he did. This is how he taught us to be. is instead of looking after our own interests, look after each other. And so you have this beautiful uh, poem then of how Jesus did exactly that. But we're not going to look at that poem today. We're actually going to go to John chapter 10, where Jesus talks about this kind of thing. And we're going to see how Jesus talks about it, and the image that he uses of being a good shepherd, and then how people responded to that. This is John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, and going on through verse 21. And uh, to set the context, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees, and then others who are around and listening. But he's talking to them after there has been an incident. And the incident that has happened is Jesus healed a man who was born blind. And uh, one of the things that kind of threw everybody, there were two things that really threw everybody about this particular healing. One thing that, that threw everybody is nobody has ever seen someone healed who had been born blind. They'd been born blind, been blind all their life, and then able to see. They'd never seen that before. That had never happened. So that kind of threw everybody. What is going on? But the other thing that threw people was that Jesus did this healing on the Sabbath. And they said, well, if if you're doing some sort of a work on the Sabbath, then you're obviously violating what God has said to do. Therefore, you can't be from God, right? On the other hand... He has to be from God if he's doing this amazing healing. And so people are kind of, where do you land on this? Who is uh, this man? Well, so Jesus starts to explain who he is to the people. And we looked last week at when he starts talking to them and talking about uh, in terms of sheep and all the people as sheep. And he says that he is the gate. And so we talked about uh, how there are seven places in John where Jesus just says, I am, period. But there are seven other places where he says, I am dot, 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 and kind of fills that in with something. And so last week was, I am the gate. And so you go in and you come out, you find uh, both safety in the pen and also provision as you go out to the pasture to eat, that he is the one who brings you in and out. He is the, uh, the way and the truth and the life, as we spoke about last week. And then he takes the same idea of sheep and sort of shifts a little bit in the metaphor. And now he talks about himself as the shepherd. So not only is he the way and the truth, he is the life. He is the one who is watching out for the sheep. And he is the one who's bringing them in and out, and he is the one uh, who is providing for them and watching out for them. So here's how he says this. This is... uh, John chapter 10, starting in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. The Jews who heard these words were, again, divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can, demon, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So there we go. Jesus explains who he is, and for some, they hear it. And they're able to receive it. And for others, hearing the same words, don't receive it. But what is it that he's saying? Jesus is claiming something big here. I don't know if you uh, catch the bigness of what he's saying. This is huge. When Jesus claims to be the good shepherd, do you remember what we were reading in Ezekiel of how the shepherds over Israel who were supposed to be, and when it's talking the shepherds of Israel, it's not saying everybody in Israel who happens to watch over sheep and that's an occupation. It's saying the people who are the leaders of the people in Israel, they are the ones who are as shepherds to the people. And so it says those shepherds are not doing what they're supposed to do. Those leaders are not doing what they're supposed to do. And so what God says is I'm going to be their shepherd and I'm going to put someone who uh, will be their shepherd and it's, it's going to be me, <laughs> And this is a uh, not, Ezekiel's not the only place that God says this, but this is where, you know, you go back to Psalm 23, that David is saying this, the Lord is my shepherd. And we see this uh, again and again, this prophecy that God is going to himself be the shepherd of his people. And then Jesus steps in and says, there have been other shepherds, but they're not, they're not God as the shepherd. And one of the problems he points out is, Because the sheep aren't really theirs, they don't really care. And so danger comes to the sheep or to the people as it is. And they just run away. Not my problem. And, you know, I don't know where you have been as far as areas of responsibility that you've had in your life. But there are probably some areas you've had where you do just sort of put your hands up and go, you know what? That's not my problem. (laughs) And if you have, uh, if you've ever had a job where, uh, you are not the one in charge, but you are, you know, kind of, you go in, you punch the time and then you leave. And then there's a problem when you're off the clock and you go, well, y'all have fun with that. (laughs) Right? Because it's, you don't have a responsibility for it. You're responsible for to go in and do your part, and then you check out and you're done. And it's somebody else's problem. And if it's still going on when you get back, well, now it's your problem again. But when you're off the clock, you're off the clock. And that's what was happening with these shepherds, is it's you know, not my problem. Somebody else deal with that. And so when danger or problems or trouble comes, eh, run away. But you may have also had other situations where you are the one responsible. And not only are you the one responsible, but you're responsible for something you really care about. And uh, when danger or problems or trouble comes, you take it personally. You take it very seriously. And you're not about to walk away. If you have ever uh, you know, raised children or had something uh, happen to endanger them. You, you're on it. You don't just walk away from that. Uh, I heard somebody say, you know, when parents have new kids, they, uh, they carefully count all their fingers and toes, and even the worst of parents will notice if one of those is missing from then on. <laughs> because we care about even the smallest details. And it's that they were saying, you know, this is how God cares for his children. That he does look after them and take responsibility. And uh, and we do this, not only with kids, like with our own children, if you're babysitting someone or even I had a situation when we were younger as kids um, where the neighbors were going to be gone. And so uh, my brother was responsible for uh, taking care of their pets while they were away. And he may have been a little too young or a little too high-strung, I don't know, <laughs> for this particular job. But he took it very seriously to the point that uh, he ended up having to go to the doctor because of these massive headaches he was getting (laughs) because he was stressed out so much by the burden of caring for these animals. He did not want anything to happen to them while he was responsible for caring for them. And I don't know if you've ever felt that kind of a weight of responsibility of care for something, but that's what Jesus says that he has that these other shepherds didn't have. And so he says to the Pharisees in Israel. You guys are like the hired hands who just don't care. You punch your time and you get out of there and you just don't care. And he says, but in contrast, I am the good shepherd. And when he says, I am the good shepherd, that is a claim of being equal with God. The God who says, I will shepherd my people. And Jesus steps into that role and says, that's me. I will shepherd my people. My people. And I'm the good shepherd. So we see what happens with the bad shepherds, right? That they just run off and they don't care. What is it that he says about the good shepherd, though? How is that contrasted? And the good shepherd is the one who cares, right? But how does he show that care? Because he lays down his life for his sheep. Does this mean Jesus is going to die for his people? Yes. Is that all he's talking about? I don't think so. Because to lay down his life, on the one hand, yes, means to die for. On the other hand, it's an everyday sacrifice. If you are responsible for, uh, for the care of animals or people, and they are depending on your care, you don't get to just wake up whenever you feel like it, do you? You don't get to go to bed and sleep whenever you feel like it. (laughs) In fact, I think for a shepherd, kind (laughs) of doing what I feel like doing is just not even part of their vocabulary. Because what is your primary concern is not what I feel like doing. Your primary concern is what are they needing? Because I am responsible to take care of them. And so we see that in the shepherds. We see that as... uh, In the life of David, as he is a shepherd, also the way that he talks about it in uh, the 23rd Psalm, the way the shepherd looks after the sheep and provides for what they need and is doing and giving for the sheep. Jesus says he lays down his life for his sheep. And read through the Gospels. Look at how he lives. This is not just he does whatever he wants to and then at the very end he dies for them in this one act of heroism. No, his whole life is a laying down of his life. This is why Paul is able to say in Philippians that we are to have the same mindset of Jesus. In our relationships with one another, this is Philippians 2, that in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what did he do? Well, he was in very nature God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's the whole way through. This is the life that he is giving. So read through the Gospels and look at the ways in which Jesus is constantly laying down his life for his sheep. The places that he goes, why does he go to those places? For the good of the sheep. The things that he says, why is he saying these things? For the good of his sheep. One chapter later in the gospel of John, we're right now in John 10, in John chapter 11, do you know what happens in John chapter 11? Jesus goes to a particular place to raise a friend from the dead, Lazarus. And you may know that story. What you may not understand is where that story comes in the story of Jesus that it is when he raises Lazarus from the dead that from then on people are trying to kill him, trying to kill Jesus, that is, and Lazarus, actually. (laughs) But that when Jesus does this act, he knows the trade-off that by raising Lazarus, he's offering up himself. He is laying down his life for his friend. You go a little bit later, and this is what Jesus starts talking to his disciples about and saying, greater love has no one than this, and to lay down their life for a friend. It's what he did for Lazarus in that one moment and instance. But it's what his whole life has been about for all of his disciples, for all the people around. This is what he's uh, doing. This is how he's living, and this is why he says uh, that the good shepherd, and he is the good shepherd who knows his sheep, his sheep know me, just as the father knows me and i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep this is why jesus is the good shepherd because he is the one who truly cares and how do we know that he truly cares because we see what he does and what he does is lives his life for the good of us even the death that he died was for the good of us laying down his life for us he is the good shepherd the one who cares like no one else cares. He then goes on what seems like a little bit of a diversion, but I think it's important. probably why he says it. Verses 16. Uh, verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. What is he talking about? I have sheep that are not of this sheep pen. What sheep pen is he talking about? This is Israel, the people of Israel. Did Jesus come for the people of Israel? Yes, he did. If you're confused on that, let's get it straight. Jesus came for the people of Israel. Absolutely. Did he come only for the people of Israel? No, he did not. And that is something that caused a lot of confusion. (laughs) But that is something that goes back to the Old Testament again, that even all the way to uh, Abraham, and Paul says it in Galatians, that Scripture foresaw that uh, God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All peoples will be blessed through you. Not just Israel. All peoples, all nations, will be blessed through this family. And it's through Jesus. So this is one of the reasons he comes, is not... Just for Israel, but for the whole world, but here's the other uh, thing that I, reason I think this is important is because and you see this throughout the rest of the New Testament is there's this idea, okay, well, yes, Israel and yes, Gentiles, but like as two separate things, right and one of the things that the apostles are battling against the whole rest of the New Testament is not only yes, it's okay for the Gentiles too but also that it's, there's no more distinction. That distinction was for a time and for a purpose, and that purpose has been fulfilled. And it's not that the Jews are now out and the Gentiles are now in, it's not that. And it's not that it's always for the Jews and never for the Gentiles, not that. It's that it is for the Jews and it is for the Gentiles and that they are to be together as one people from now on, united in Christ uh, as one people. You read about this in Romans 9 to 11. You read about this in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. This is one of those things that goes throughout. The people from every tribe and tongue and nation from Revelation 5. This is one people united as one. And the way Jesus puts it is so just succinct. It seems like, you know, how can we still have all these issues about it when he just says, there shall be one flock, and one shepherd. Oh. Oh and I guess we're done here. <laughs> you know, the end of discussion. Why does it take, take us so long to get that one straightened out? They will listen to my voice. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So who is the flock? It's a group of people who are made up of all different ethnicities who have something in common. Listen to his voice. It's those who are listening to the voice of the one shepherd that are the one flock all together. Um, The other important thing that he brings out here is that no one takes his life from him. It's important that he says this, especially at this particular time. Before people are really out to kill him, he just lays it out there. No one's taking my life. So when his disciples see this happen later, like when Peter sees Jesus being arrested, maybe he shouldn't pull out the sword and chop off a guy's ear. <laughs> right? Because Jesus has said, this is where this is headed and I am laying down my life. They're not coming and grabbing me against my will as though there's nothing I can do and I need you to defend me, Peter. No. So he says, before it ever happens, no one's taking my life from me. I'm laying it down. Why is he laying it down? For the good of the sheep. He lays down his life For the good of the sheep. And he says that this is the command that he received from his father. Um, This is huge. If we understand just this of who Jesus is, that in this one passage we see Jesus describing himself as God in the flesh, as the good shepherd over his people, but that he is a shepherd that is a very different shepherd than all those who have come before who were more like the thieves that come to steal and kill and destroy, but that he come that they have life. Well, how does he ensure they have life? He does so by coming and giving his life for the good of his people. It's the same thing that he calls us to do. It's the same way that he calls us to love. The same thing in... uh, flip to 1 Peter 5. the same way that Peter says that the leaders of the church are to operate. It says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. There is one flock. There is one shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. He is the good shepherd, but he's also shown us the way in which we are to under his care. Care for each other. Not looking to our own interests, but each of us to the interests of the others. Laying down our lives for the good of others. This is his way. And when people hear this, the way they respond? By jumping up and down and saying hallelujah, right? No. Mixed reviews who said some look at this and they say he's demon-possessed. And others say impossible. <laughs> can't be. And are they basing what they're saying on what he's saying? No. They are basing what they're saying on the event that happened first. And the event that happened first was the healing of the blind man. And Jesus heals the blind man on the Sabbath. And some people decided when they saw what happened, he's working on the Sabbath. Can't be from God. And some people said, nobody can heal like this. This has to be from God. And so right there, they've kind of already made their decision. And so then Jesus steps in and says, look, let me explain what's going on. They've already made up their mind, haven't they? They've already decided before he even says, before he opens his mouth to speak, they've made up their minds. This may be why Jesus says again and again and again, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. It's so easy to have our minds made up first. But the event itself is important and is instructive. It's one of the reasons why Jesus explains who he is in this moment. Because it is the good shepherd caring for his people. Think about it. Here is this man who is born blind. And Jesus steps into his life and heals him to where he can see, changing his life dramatically for the better. And then Jesus follows us by saying, because I'm the good shepherd. That's, that's why this has taken place. And so the people who saw what happened and already made up their mind, if they were still evaluating the evidence, they would say, ah, I get it. I get it. You did that because you're the good shepherd who lays down his life for a sheep. I get it. But if their minds are made up already, they will be blinder than the man who had been born blind. Unable to see and even unable to hear who Jesus is explaining himself to be. So the question for us, do we see it? Can we hear it? Do we know the good shepherd? Do we follow his voice as a part of Is one flock, not only being cared for by him, but being led by him in this way of laying down our lives for the good of others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.